Hello, and welcome to the Black and Dyslexic Podcast with Winifred A. Winston and LaDerek Horn, the show that unapologetically focuses on helping Black and underrepresented minorities navigate the special education process. We want to help raise awareness in the Black and Brown community, remove the stigma about learning disabilities, and provide you access to professionals in the space of dyslexia and special education that you need to hear from. Hey everybody, this is LaDerek Horn. I'm here with Winifred. And today you're gonna hear an interview that Winifred did with David Lucas. Now, David, as you will hear, he's an advocate who's sort of new to the scene and doing an excellent job of sharing his story. And you're gonna hear an amazing story. This man has an incredible narrative and we're fortunate to be able to share it with you. He's gonna drop a bunch of different advice also along the way. And one of the ones I just wanna make sure that you guys look into is uh, he talks about his experience of getting support for vocational rehabilitation. And Winifred, I, I think I remember him saying that he got all of his education paid for, is that right? Yes, he attended college on a full ride. Yeah. And so Voc Rehab is a resource that's available in every state. Sometimes it's the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation, the Bureau of Vocational Rehabilitation. It's something I learned about my last year or so in college. And I wish I had learned about it because for a lot of us, you know, if you have a career goal, they will help you with things like transportation, other kind of supports, and sometimes also financial support to be able to, to get your education. Yeah, this is an earlier episode we had in the vault with David, and I was just trying to find the right time to insert it. And since we recently had Dr. Butler on and she talked about accommodations in college, I felt like David's story, what he went through in high school, I'm not going to give it away, but his high school journey and then him going to college and, and what he was able to do. So I'm excited to bring you guys David Lucas. Today, we'll be talking with David Lucas. David is an author, a motivational speaker, and entrepreneur, and he has a very interesting and unique journey to his success. I I love hearing about it, and I could not wait to share it with you. So David, welcome, welcome, and we're so excited to have you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. So let's just jump in. Just share with the audience, tell us your story. I've heard it, you know, and I've actually repeated some of it on on different platforms, you know, because it's just so inspiring. And I feel like you really exhibit when students self-advocate, right? Even when you kind of don't know, but you know something's going on. So just tell the people, share with them your story and how you advocated for yourself. Yeah, I, I want to definitely just say that, you know, thank you again for the opportunity. But then again, you know, just to think about my story, it's, it's just so unique. You know, sometimes I, I sit back and I begin to think about it and I say, wow, i come a, a long way. And being a young man that has a learning disability, a Black young man that had a learning disability, was really difficult for me when I was staying in school um, because my mom had five kids at one time. So I was a quintuplet. Okay, and I'll say it again. I'm gonna have five kids at one time, and I think sometimes people miss that. And I was a quintuplet, and so um, I had two sisters, and I had three brothers. That's you know, which included me. And the unique thing about the story is, is that only the boys was the one that was put in special classrooms, and not the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, 
statistics already show that, you know, they say that, you know, that guys are usually the ones that learn a lot slower. They're usually the ones that catch on to things a lot slower as well. Um, they usually take long for them to catch on the material. In that case, it began to make this study begin to be true because um, they didn't test me and my brothers. They just put us in specialty classrooms. Well, they t I will say me per se. I don't know about them, but I know for me, myself, they didn't test us at all. And they began to so just put them in there. And, I, and, you know, and as I thought about it, you know, looking at my story and what happened, it began to transpire because I'm like, you know, how could you all miss the fact that without testing them, you know? Um, and so they didn't test us and just uh, test me per se, I'll say like that. And what began to happen and me going into my uh, elementary school, I don't remember too much about that. All I knew was that I was in a smaller classroom, but I do what I do remember when I was in middle school and high school. And that what really transferred my particular story because I was in high school at the time and I just had started to feel like want to be advocate. I really want I feel like I really want to belong beyond the classroom walls. I knew that something different was about me. You know, I knew that, you know, that this young black man, you know, had much more to offer than just a piece of paper that said he has an IEP or an individual educational plan, if you don't know what IEP means. Um, but it was it's really something that tracks a child that has a label on them. And so I knew that my label mean more than what they said about me. Even when I was in, sitting in a meeting, um, some of the meetings, and meetings usually happen around my birthday. So I knew annually we have an annual IEP meeting and I would hear them talk about me, but really, I never really had a say and what the IEP really was, is so I will always sit there. Wait a minute, David. So you attended your IEP meetings? Did you start in, when did you start attending the IEP meetings? I started attending the IEP meeting, and, and if I'm not mistaken, when I was actually in uh, middle school. Uh, middle school, did you ask or did your mom just say, hey, you're coming with me? Like, did you know what you were going to? No, the thing is, I, I didn't realize that I was actually going to IEP meeting. I will say this. I knew I was, an, I only remember I was an IEP with this lady. Her name was actually Miss Stefano. She was actually my middle school and high school advisor. That's the only IEP meeting I can remember that I've been into, per se, actually being there, physically mm -hmm. there. But having a say, it was only until when I was in high school. That's only when they asked me my opinion and what I thought. Okay. And what okay. I think I can actually do. And I think that's really the interesting story. And, and just to put a needle in a haystack, I believe that every child is supposed to be in their IEP because it's an IEP about them. You know, they should be able to learn and to know what the IEP says about them. And so with me going to that experience in high school, you know, I did not really understood what it was until this teacher began to tell me what my IEP was. She began to go over it with me and tell me this and such and such. And I felt like, you know, that was not me. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not, you know, that's not what my dreams and aspirations want to be. That's just, that's just, that just not wasn't me. And it never gave me a chance. It never gave me a chance to advocate for who I really was and what changes that I can make. Because if I knew what my downfall was, I wouldn't necessarily worked on that better. That, you know, if I knew what that weakness was, if I knew that my reading score was very low, if I knew that my writing skills was very poor, you know, I would have knew to work a little bit more harder. But it's only until I got to high school, you know, I realized it. And I really started realizing at the end of that one meeting, I was there and, you know, I said, can you all 
retest me you know can you all retest me this is almost like my almost my senior year so i'm thinking i'm in like 11th grade can y'all retest me can you retest me retest me they didn't want to retest me at all they did not want to you know because at that time i'm almost out of the school and so a lot of times what they do is they'll just push you on and they'll just allow you to necessarily just keep going and keep going but i did not want that to be my story and so the unique thing about that's okay, well, y'all retest me, retest me. So they decided to retest me. But before then, the unique thing about this, um, I had to learn what an IEP was. So I had started researching. I just started figuring out what was the IEP, what was actually supposed to be in the IEP, how could I be able to get extra time, you know, what was the law and for me to be able to get extra time, you know, when I can be able to get that, what should I get it on, you know, things like that. So I started studying that. So I started advocating for my own IEP. So I really started telling them what they was doing wrong. You know, I really started showing them that how you all are doing my IEP is completely wrong because even when they had IEP meetings, a lot of times it would be they wouldn't necessarily have everybody supposed to be in there. So, you know, you supposed to have an educator there, you supposed to have a teacher or a principal, you know, a lot of times they just they have to do the IEP. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so those were just things that I noticed even just when research on that. But eventually, to speed the story up, I eventually got a special needs classrooms with the regular mainstream classrooms, became, you know, one of the valid mentors of my high school, graduated with a 3.9 GPA, uh, which is a 4.0. They didn't want to give it to me, but I still claim that any day and everywhere I go. And then I graduated college um, with a degree in psychology. Now, let me, let me just say that, okay? Uh, this is the same young man that said that has a low reading score, has a low writing score, but he began to graduate college in three years instead of four years, okay? They don't have no IEP. They don't have no academic coach there, okay? So that tells you that I wasn't, in words, they were slow or their words necessarily could not attain information. It just took me longer and it took me the way I had to study, the way I had to do things to be able to catch on the information. And so wow. later on that, I became who I am today. That is awesome. So I heard so many gems you just dropped in there. First of all, you attended your IEP meetings, right? A lot of parents uh, struggle with that decision, but I believe it's around middle school when I do hear parents talk about letting their child attend They just want to kind of make sure they understand and they're old enough to kind of grasp what's going on. Because I know for me as a parent, sitting in that IEP meeting, it is hard, right? Because it almost sounds like what they talk about is what you can't do and what's wrong with you. Basically, that's all you kind of hear. Even if they're saying positive things, you're like, oh my gosh, it's 46 page or, you know, document about what's wrong. Okay. And the second thing is you advocated and you researched on your own. Where was your mom in this? Where was your, where, like, where was your mom? Did she know about the IEP? What did she say? Did she help you? Well, I only can say it like this. My mother says she knew about the IEP, but not me. I cannot remember the time she actually been physically. I knew she'd been over there on the conference call, but I haven't seen, I haven't, haven't seen her do it physically, being in the presence. And that's one thing I wish um, that I wish I would tell parents, uh, if they can make it to the school, it's always good to see them, always good to be in the presence. A mm-hmm. conference call is not something that can uh, anybody can tell you anything um, <laughs> without you being in the presence um, and to advocate. So I haven't really seen my parent there, uh, my mother there physically. Um, a lot of times it would be over a conference call because um, she has to work and do all the levels, which is, you know, I understand that. But mother, she was there. She, you know, she knew about the IEPs and whatnot. But like I said, my, my brother was in special needs classroom, so it's like, okay, well, you know, and I don't know if it was because it was scared for her to to protest against or to stand up, 
I really don't know. And those are questions that I've always wanted to ask uh, my mom about those things. But, you know, as life go on and things go on, I, I just, you know, to push it under the rug, I try just not to worry about it because I guess I say, well, I made it this far. Yeah, but the reason why I ask is because you advocated for yourself. Like, I know parents who do attend IEP meetings mm -hmm. and they don't even understand what the diagnosis is. They don't understand the parts of the IEP. They don't understand services and interventions versus accommodations, right? Mm -hmm. so, so we know that services and interventions, that's gonna be the how, right? That's yeah. gonna be what makes your individual education plan different, right? Yeah. And then the accommodations is gonna be where they give you more help. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, longer time, right? Extended yeah. time and different things to help you access the material, but the services and the intervention is, is really the meat of it, right? Yes. So there are parents who attend and don't know and don't really understand that document, but you know, for you to self-advocate and be like, wait a minute, let me figure this out. And it sounds like you were pretty much doing it on your own, even yeah. with two other brothers who were in special education classes, you kept thinking, well, no, this is not right for me, or what is, what is this? What does this mean for me? Right. And then to go through that process and then get out and get in a, a mainstream classroom and then graduate valedictorian and going back to, they just, they didn't even assess you guys. They just lumped the three boys in special education. And that's one of those things that you begin to think about, you know, as a parent, as an educator, you know, and, and I say this lightly, but I have to say this, but is educators really educating our kids? Are they really have the best interests of our child, you know? And that's the reason why I think it's very important that parents understand that legal binded document. That document holds your child. Let me say it like this. I, I teach other educators this, and this thing I tell them, do not read the IEP before you meet the child. And I say that because what happens is that we begin to put a stigma. We begin to put what we think that child can do and will do before we even see them in person. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that I really think is really amazing because this document follows this child everywhere they go. And even if the child has a sense of, I can do better, but because this IEP says, I cannot do better. My reading scores is impossible. You know, I have a low IQ. I mean, even if I can redeem, I don't feel like I can redeem because this yeah. document says I can't. And so that's one of the things that I, I try to advocate for is just because an IEP or a document says that you can't, but I advocate to say that you can and you will and yeah. you can be successful and you keep just because you have a learning differences doesn't mean that you can be exceptional doesn't mean that you can be great that you can be successful and so even with my story I did not want to hear and, and I will always hear other parents and I'll always hear other educators you know have this sad story about you know I don't want my child to be like this which is this is true but it also takes in a, a standpoint where I really did not want to see another mom of the day say I wish my child was normal so that pulled my heart because at that point you know is it because no no parent uh dreamed of their child to be having a learning difficulty learning differences or some type of disability um, 
Um, mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm. and that's just where I'm at. Even when it comes to who I am, I'm grateful for the disability. I'm grateful for where I came from. I, I'm exceptional. I know that. That's who I am. But I always question in my mind is, you know, what if I had people that was really there to that being who I was as an individual? Would I be a lot further? Uh, would would I even be to a point in my life where I won't have difficulty have the difficulty reading and difficulty understanding material? Yeah, you see, and that's that's the thing that made me want to do this is because I was an educator. I worked for the school system, but I still needed help with the IEP process. Right. And I don't feel like any parents should be at an IEP meeting alone. I feel like they need an advocate, whether it be a non-attorney or attorney advocate. And the reason why I say that is because there's so many pieces to the IEP. Right. So you have the IEP, the legal binding document. Right. And then you have whatever that learning difference is. Let's use my daughter as an example. She's dyslexic and she has ADHD. I didn't even believe the ADHD at first. I'm like, oh, she's black. It's a medical code Um, insurance. You know, the hospital or whatever. They want insurance to be able to cover this evaluation. Right. That was me. Ignorant. Didn't know. And I'm like, okay, she has dyslexia. We have to make sure she learns how to read. So I'm learning all I can about dyslexia. I'm learning about Orton Gillingham. I'm learning about what interventions work for dyslexia. And I'm focused on how do I get her what she needs to learn how to read. So there's that education, right? There's that training, right? I'm learning the five components of reading, right? And I'm, I'm trying to understand where her deficit is. Then I'm trying to get to learn my daughter. Okay, what are her strengths? What is she good at? What does she enjoy doing? That's just one piece of it, right? Learning the IEP, that's special education law. Right. That's legal terms and this timelines and different things like that. So now I've got to figure out how to get her a tutor. That's a whole nother thing. Right. How do I get her a tutor? Is it a homework tutor or is it an intervention tutor? A lot of parents pay for a homework tutor. A homework tutor is not the right tutor. They're not trained. They don't know how to work with someone with a learning disability. So so many moving parts. And I'm just like, okay, a parent should have an advocate at that meeting to help them to answer questions. Cause me, myself, I would leave the meeting, be in tears. And then I would think about it, process the information and have more questions. And it wasn't until later as I'm still learning that I'm like, okay, we have dyslexia under control. What's going on with ADHD? Then I find out, oh, she does in fact have ADHD because guess what? I have ADHD, was undiagnosed, did not know it. So therefore I could not see and quotation mark, air marks. I could not see the ADH in her because it was just, she was just like me. Wow. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, and I even said that. I was like, oh, her birthday's five days after mine. You know, she has high energy. She's like her mother, but not really understanding. And once I learned that I have ADHD, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes perfect sense. My working memory is a little weak. That's why I wouldn't do well on tests and exams, like comprehensive exams. Oh my gosh, that's why I could sit at the front of the class, answer all the questions, do all the homework, know the material. And then boom, when we take an exam, the professor is looking at me like I'm crazy. That happened in college. I wasn't diagnosed to graduate school, but undergrad, I never forget it was retail management. That's why I didn't get an MBA. I was like, those business classes kick my butt. No, that wasn't it. I had undiagnosed ADHD. And like so many others, you know, if you're smart and you're going through classes and you're in advance, like college prep classes, you get overlooked because everyone assumes that if you have a learning disability, you must be struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't see the internal struggles that we have. 
And when I got to college, those executive function, that's when it really started to play out. And I always just thought, oh, you, you never learned how to study. You're, you don't know how to study good enough. You, you don't know how to study. And it wasn't that. So parents have so many different things that they need to learn and, and understand to be able to successfully advocate for their child, right? So getting that IEP developed correctly, right? Yes. It may say some things in there, but it's supposed to say, how do we move? How do we close the gap? How do we get this child to where they should be? And so that parent involvement and understanding is crucial, right? Because just because you get an IEP, it doesn't mean that it's a good IEP. Because I had several people tell me my daughter's IEP. Oh, it's good. No, it wasn't. It was crap, you know? And when I learned better, I started asking for different things. You know, I met with other parents who have been through this process to say, okay, I don't believe these goals are right, but I don't know how to articulate how they should make it better. And I felt comfortable saying that. I don't think these are right, but I don't know how to make them better, right? And I asked for help. We ultimately made a decision to leave, but you know, having parents understand or having someone else, I mean, I tell parents, just have somebody to take notes, right? If nothing else, just have a note taker, somebody to take notes so then you can process and ask questions later. But I think it's just remarkable that you... You did this by yourself. And, and I want parents to hear that because so often parents don't want to tell their child that they have a learning disability. And everybody, every adult that I have spoken with said they wish they knew when they were younger. They wish they knew because they knew something was off, if you will, or something was harder for them, but they didn't quite know what it was. And they just went through life not knowing, right? And then to really help them understand what their strengths are and what they need to access in order to do better. Because if you don't know how to tell somebody to help you, then they can't help you. Right. And, and just to hear you say that you did all of this on your own, attended the IEP meetings, like researched what that document is. And there's so many moving parts, you know, and then to go on, um, tell us about college because like, I think you went for free. I'm just yeah. saying, right? Didn't you go for yeah. free? Tell us about that. Free. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in the special needs or education around, there are other services that your child can get. And I'm not a person that can. Um, I'm not a person that gives you those things. To tell you, I'm telling you the true facts because I, 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 I experience it. There are services that special needs students can actually receive, and one of those things is when your child is going to some type of higher education, like college. Um, there's a program, which I know here, it was in South Carolina, but I'm in North Carolina now, which is called Boat Rehab. And that's a program that's like a job core. I say it like that. And what that did for me is it allowed me to go to college for free. And what they do is you have an IEP, you submit that to the uh, Boat Rehab. They see what school that you want to attend, which I attend at HBCU school. They pay for my books, they pay for my tuition, and they pay for my room and board. And they allowed me to go to school for, it was actually for the four years semester because I took summer school, which is including, because they do it by semesters, by how many you take. So it's included of four, but I graduate three years. That was the best experience because even though that my university did not have like, I say like an academic coach, but it did have like support services, you know, like trio programs and those programs like that, 
I decided really not to go into those programs, to be honest. I just, I said, well, let me figure it out my own. Let me learn the way I want to learn it, you know? Because another thing, I don't know if if I'm it's a student watching me or a child watching me, they're like, you know, I'm like David, because I don't want nobody to try to downplay me or make me feel like, you know, that I was slow or something. Because the way they had like, the center set up, like it was like if you go in there, it's like it's cold, nobody else in there, you know, people know that you're going to special services. <laughs> it's just it's just like it was just not in that place I want to go in. So I, I dread for not going. And but I did went to our counseling services, which you know, our counseling services, it was great experience to be able just to have some people to talk to and whatnot. Um, now I did get some services in my college where they did help me with, you know, certain things I may need or give me extra time through the IEP um, through my university. But that was a really great experience because I went to start studying abroad in Brazil and I started, you know, just enjoying, you know, the college experience and understood that I can learn and that I can learn like every other child. I, I can do the assignments like every other student can. It may took me, you know, not so much because the college, they don't wait. So I typically, I typically they don't, I'm not gonna, they're not going to sit there and wait for you to submit that assignment. You know, you have, you know, you do have, you know, a short period of time to submit those assignments. But it taught me discipline. It really taught me, to, it's taught me discipline. It taught me, you know, how to complete assignments, how to learn on my own. Um, because I couldn't just go complete classes, you know, seven classes throughout the day and then go with my friends, hang out with them, party with them later as well. I had to go back to my room and I had to dissect everything. I had to figure out what was, you know, that I learned today. And thank God I had like three classes in the morning. Then I had a whole like three hour, four hour break in the afternoon. And then I had some more classes to go, which allowed me to be able to have study time to break and to enjoy and to, you know, and eat and with friends and eat lunch. So it was a great experience for me. I really enjoy it. If I could do it again, I would do it all over again. I really enjoyed my college experience because it allowed me to do many things. It allowed me to go into different clubs, allowed me to uh, work at university as a chaplain, as well as a, a mission counselor. Um, and so I just enjoyed the experience. And I enjoyed the program that allowed me to go to college. And that was the thing is where I enjoyed the parts that they allowed me to go because my parents didn't have all the money for me to go to school. And for my mother and father to have two of us going to college, it was very expensive to go to a college or university or especially a HBC private school. But thank God for that program because it allowed to take the weight off of my parents and definitely allowed to take the weight off um, because I, that was my dream school. And I went to that particular school. And so I really enjoyed the three years that I was there. Oh, that is awesome. That See, I, I just hope everyone, especially the parents, and if our children are listening to this, because I've talked to a lot of people, but you have really touched on some things that I know parents and, and children alike, you know, when you said, when you got to college, you really didn't want to use those programs, right? Because of the stigma, because of the stigma, the negative stigma attached. And that's just, that tugs on my heart because I have a daughter who has a learning difference, right? My daughter can learn to read. It takes her longer, right? Um, she's smart as hell, too smart for her own good. She's 11, but she will say, I will always need help. Like she says that. And, and because I have her, you know, in an environment that encourages her, that tells her she's smart, that tells her she can do anything, but you do it differently and you need these tools. And I, I think I shared this previously, I worked in a more affluent neighborhood um, with predominantly white kids, right? That had learning differences. It was a program, high school kids, juniors and seniors. And um, we were preparing them for college. 
and they had college reading, writing, math, the arts, technology in my class, career development. Every Friday, we took them on a college tour, right? We took them to a college and it was coordinated through the disabilities or support services rather, support services. So they would know how to access, right? And these kids were being taught, advocate, get the help you need. And, and they were raising their hands, telling me things like, oh, I took my medicine today because this program is important to my mom. And then when I worked in the urban school system, parents and children didn't want to admit that they had IEPs, right? I had a parent whose kiddo was struggling in college with math. And I'm like, did he have an IEP? Oh yeah, but he doesn't want to use that. I said, it doesn't go away. I said, it's like, if he needed glasses, he needs to put them on to see. I said, he needs certain supports. But in our community, there's such a negative stigma around it. You know, like my daughter, I'm thankful that she will advocate for herself and she will say, well, I need help. You know, I need some assistance. She says, I can learn. I just have a little trouble in a subject area, right? She says, um, teachers and, and other students need to be patient with me. And she says, sometimes I have to be patient with myself. You know, that's why I, I want to do this because I want to be able to remove that stigma, right? Because in our community, our culture, we won't go and get that help. Whereas, I mean, shoot, there were white folks. I think the white parents were lying, lying, <laughs> saying their kiddos had a difference so they can get more time on what the SAT or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. like you know, you're going to need more time. Hell, I just took my, um, I have my notary, what is it called? Loan signing agent, yeah. <laughs> right? And I had to take a state exam. I probably took that ADHD medicine. It was a time test. And I know that having ADHD all these years, I just thought I had test anxiety, but it's something about that clock and knowing that you're being timed, it okay. heightens that anxiety. And I know that with my ADHD, I can go off and be reading a question and then be thinking about something else and going off on a tangent, right? To thinking about, oh, this test is being timed. Oh my gosh, how many more questions do I have to answer? Instead of reading the questions and answering, I probably made sure I took my ADHD medicine when I was studying, right? And then when I went in there to take that test, because I was like, look, I need to be able to focus and do what I need to do. I've studied, I put in the work, I want to pass this exam. And, and it may have been a time before all of this that I might not have felt that way. You know what I mean? I may not have felt that way and proudly will post it all over the internet. Oh yeah, I passed. What did you do to study? I studied, I studied and I made sure I took my ADHD medicine, right? Um, I want parents to hear what you said. And, and this is because he had such a negative experience with the IEP starting out, you know? And I want, I want parents and children alike to accept it, own it and get through it right? And, and use the tools that are there to help you mm -hmm. because this follows you into the workplace, mm -hmm. right? You've got to be able to advocate for yourself when you get to work. I mean, college, you have to self-advocate. Like you said, you, they're not changing those timelines. You got to know <laughs> what you need to use to be able to keep up, right? And get some of the supports because I do know that the supports in college, they look a lot different than in high school. Yeah. And it's some things that you might not even think you can get in college. And then there's a book I was, when you were talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, where's my book? Cause I have books everywhere. And I just happened to be using this one to prop up the laptop. <laughs> it's the, um, the K and W guide to colleges for students with learning differences. 
This is the 14th edition I have. I'm going to say that again. The K&W Guide to Colleges for Students with Learning Differences. And it tells you the different levels. So there's three levels of support that you can get in college. And this book will go through and tell you the different levels of support that that college has. There are things like if you're able to substitute a class, right, or bypass a class. Let's say you are like you were a psychology major. Mm-hmm. And let's say you had dyscalculia, which is a learning disability in math, and math was really hard for you or whatever. And mm-hmm. let's say there was one math class. I'm just making this up. But let's just say there was one math class in that major. Because of your learning difference, if that school allows it, you may have been able to swap out that math class for something else. Yeah. And a lot of parents don't know that um, when their child goes to college, there's still different resources that they can access so they can be successful and major in the major that they want to major in, right? No limitations here. So this was so great. Thank you so much, David. If there's one thing that you could leave, maybe let's just talk to the students. Let's just talk to the children. If there was one thing that you could leave a a child or even a young adult with today, what would you tell them? I would tell them this is a very simple statement. Be exceptional. And when I mean be exceptional, that means if you have a disability, which in this case, many of you all are listening to me, I do own it. Be proud, especially if you are Black, be proud that you have a differences and that you may learn different. Because see, uniquely, people don't say that a lot of these things that we listen to and know and that we hear, a lot of them have disabilities. A lot of them struggle. And I don't want you to feel as if that because I have a weakness, that I cannot be successful, that I cannot be great. But I want to encourage you that you can and that you will be successful and that you understand that just because I have a disability that I can't be successful, but you can, and you can be great and you can be wonderful enough. And I I just want you to know, and there's something I'm releasing. I got a new book that's coming out called Less Than Perfect, More Than Special, Just Enough of of Exceptional. Uh, I'll say it again, less than perfect, more than special, just enough of exceptional. The retold story of David Lucas Speaks. And it just talks about my story. And it talks about how I transitioned and what moved and how I became who I am today as an entrepreneur, as a person that speaks and travel on the world. And I do this. This is what I love to do. What I love to do is inspire and encourage the hearts of young people around the world. So I just want to encourage you that life get better when you get better. Tune in next week where we'll continue to bring you lived experiences and more unfiltered conversations with experts in the field around all things Black and dyslexic. Make sure you subscribe and follow the Black and Dyslexic podcast, where we educate, empower, and equip Black and underrepresented minorities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is partially funded by Morgan Cares and the Center for Urban Health Disparities Research and Innovation, awarded by the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is sponsored by Dyslexia Advocation Incorporated, a 501c3 charitable organization located in Baltimore City, Maryland, whose mission is to equip parents of children with dyslexia and other language-based learning disabilities with the necessary tools to help their children become successful readers. You can find them on the web at www.soallcanread.org.